Okay, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to a episode Pop Culture and Penicillin. I am your super dope host, Warren Perry, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. LJ. He's not going to speak, but he's there. So we have been gone for a long hiatus, but we're back. It's been a lot going on. We thank all you guys for your emails, your letters. We know we shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to, but we're back. Thank you for all the support. Dr. LJ, what's been up with you? I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I apologize to all the listeners for the corniness that Warren is using to reintroduce us to to active recording. Uh, The reason I wasn't speaking was because I was actually laughing in the background. But you were out. (laughs) You were out. So, but what what have I been up to? So I think a lot has happened since we last spoke. So I think one of the biggest things in terms of kind of my existence is that I cut my hair. So I don't know many people. Oh, knew, that's right. But I had locks for like 14 years and I cut it. And so I'm readjusting to life with short hair and I love it. Like I, I initially thought that I was going to go completely bald and just rock the bald look, but then decided to kind of rock a, a Caesar instead. And I'm loving it. It's just so much more. It's a lot easier. My mornings are a lot faster because I get yeah. up. I can wash my hair more frequently. That's what I enjoy the most. But it seemed almost liberating to let go of my hair. But sad at the same time because I had I did have hair for 14 years. Yeah, short hair is always easier to maintain. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember one day in medical school, you came in and I remember we were in the multicultural student affairs office. And I thought, I thought your hair was bundled. So <laughs> I thought it was fake. And I remember I was like, LJ, stop lying to these people. Your hair is fake. And I remember you just looked so annoyed and just like walked. <laughs> I was like, was, he, was his hair really like, that wasn't his hair. And like, even then I didn't believe hey, it. It's like, you're hating on my luscious tendrils. You yeah, know? I remember I that was funny. With black hair, long, long hair. I know. But like, uh, whatever. It was, it was time. After 14 years, it was time to get rid of it. So I was actually, I was sad to some extent, but I was actually excited to cut them just because it is a lot of work, a lot of maintenance. And because I'm out here in Minnesota, in rural Minnesota, it was just hard to maintain because there's no one here that that could do it. And so, really? To, yeah, to get a. <laughs> no one in Minnesota? There's no, not a maintain dreads? In rural Minnesota. But I, the thing was, I had to. I had a four-hour yeah, round I don't trip you. to get it done. Yeah, four hours. And so that was wow. a bit taxing and exhausting. And so I was like, you know what? I'm in a new season and a new stage in my life. And so it was, okay. it was worthwhile. It was just time to cut it. You just got Angela Bassett waiting to excel on them, didn't you? Exactly. So now I'm rocking a little just rock cut, little, little cut it all off. Yeah. So, so that was good. Okay. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and in the effort of full disclosure, I was also having a little bit of traction. And so I was more afraid at the end of the day that I was going to lose more of my hair just because of the weight, because of the length of the hair. And so that has since resolved and things are looking good. Oh, yeah, that is a thing. I forgot about that. Look, I started losing my hair like in college. And then I think by like second year of medical school, I just kind of let it go. And I haven't gone back since. So I like it. I focus more now on my beard. And using that to groom and to do weird things with or new things with because I can actually grow a beard and I can't grow a full bit of hair. <laughs> so I actually, I actually rocked a beard and you can see I have a little bit of it now. Initially after I cut it because I was like, my hair is so low. If I lose my hair, like I need to be able to rock this beard. And it was fine taking care of it. And I, then I had to cut it because of 
COVID and the need to wear like N95s on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. if you have a beard, it doesn't seal properly inside of like, the risk of COVID versus the beard, I think uh <laughs> beard for a little bit. So that was that. But I liked it. I even bought like a little grooming set with all mm-hmm. of the oils and stuff for the time that I did have it. And it's pretty cool. Like the thing smells so nice. I was like, this is really nice. Yeah. Wait, what? Like the, I bought this grooming set from like this company online and it has this oil and this stuff that you put in the beard. And oh. it actually it smells it smells good. It smells so good. And they uh, send you this whole kit with like a special comb for your beard. I want one. Special oil. And then a bomb like that you use also when you cut. It was real nice. I want one. I don't know. I don't know the name. I think it's Golden Grooming or something like that. It's really uh, cool. Yeah, are we really, advertising now? I guess. <laughs> but it's real it's an awesome product. So if I really if I remembered the name, I would I would shout them out. In other news, let's move forward. So guys, again, thank you all for joining us again for our comeback episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin. Me and LJ have had time to think and talk and kind of reformat the show a little bit. We want to bring you guys more pop culture in this Ross form. And we thought the only way to really do that, or the one way that we would enjoy doing it, is to just do just that. Pick like some random pop culture stuff that's going on and just talk about it and kind of have a conversation. So that's what we're going to do now for our pop culture section. So I picked out some topics, LJ has picked out some topics, and we're just going to just talk about them. So I don't know, LJ, do you want to go? I think we have a couple that are the same. You started off. Get us the... Well, I think one, just, you know, keeping just kind of like the point of the elephant in the room. So around this time, obviously, we're in, we're in the coronavirus. So today, you know, I'm pretty sure you all know that the coronavirus is uh, pretty rampant in the White House, unfortunately. Before we kind of get into this topic, coronavirus is definitely real. People definitely suffer from it. People, unfortunately, die of it. It's nothing to joke about. So again, we want to wish to support recovery of anybody that has it, anybody that has uh, persistent symptoms and so forth. Our hearts and thoughts are with you. People who have lost people. Again, I've, I've seen it before. So at no point do I want anybody to think that we or me in particular are taking this lightly. I think folks need to really take it seriously because by simply wearing a mask, we can do so much more. We can prevent so many infections by engaging in social distancing Yeah, and prevent a lot of these illnesses. And speaking of preventable outbreaks, so unfortunately, there's an outbreak in the White House. So it's thought that possibly the super spreader event was the Rose Garden event for the announcement of Amy Coney Barrett as a Supreme Court Justice nominee. And numerous people, obviously, have been contracted coronavirus. One of the president's top aides, Hope Hicks, the president himself has a contracted coronavirus. I think Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway, Chris Christie. The White House press secretary, Kaylee uh, McEnany, mm-hmm. contracted it. Two of her aides. Two of her aides. And one, of the presidents, one of the men who like is the president's right-hand man, I think his name is yeah. Mark Luna. He has it as well. Three yeah. senators have it. It's out of control. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is unfortunate because it could have been prevented. But I want to take this time too. I mean, the you know, when it comes to the therapies of it, I don't know if you noticed, but the president was hospitalized at Walter Reed Hospital. He got that. I don't know if you've been following the experimental therapy. So he got the experimental monoclonal antibody. So I'm curious to see exactly how that works in clinical trials. It's just out of curiosity. I mean, obviously we can't see it how it works in the president because he also got remdesivir, which basically helps to improve uh, the recovery of patients who have COVID by four days, so 15 versus 11 days. And also he got decadron or dexamethasone, which decreases mortality and works best with people who have acquired oxygen. 
So he pretty much got the kitchen sink thrown at him. It's fortunate that he has access to healthcare like that, you know, as a president of the United States. But I will note that there are some people who don't have access to that. People who are essential workers and have to go out and don't have adequate health insurance. So it creates a larger question. I do agree. I think it's interesting because I think, you know, just taking an, an outsider's view without taking any sides, like there comes a point where you're where you knew that something was was bound to happen, right? Because you're tempting fate. Right, relying solely on testing to say that you're negative when we know that the testing can lie behind actual infection. There was a point where someone was going to slip through the cracks because you become more lax as you're saying, okay, we've had all these negative tests. And so it's only a matter of time before folks start to become a little careless. And I think it must have been someone being careless or the testing requirements may have been relaxed to some extent. And so someone slipped through the crack who had COVID and then it spread throughout the White House, throughout the West Wing in particular. And so him being hospitalized and receiving all of those treatments, it indicates that there was some degree of symptom that caused them to say, okay, we need to do this because those are not treatments you give to everybody who has COVID, right? And Mm -hmm. so we know that there must have been an issue with his oxygenation, right? For them to say, okay, we're going to give you remdesivir because remdesivir is geared towards slowing the replication of the virus, right? And moving that total course of symptoms from 15 to 11 days, like you stated earlier. And then you're going to give an experimental treatment to, you want to say, okay, we're going to do through the kitchen sink, everything in the kitchen sink at this infection, because we want to ensure that the president doesn't get severely ill, right? And a lot of this may have also been done because he's the president and you want to ensure that there's no threat to the continuity of power per se in the country. But at the same time, it speaks to his age, it speaks to comorbidities he may have had that we don't know about. It also speaks to the fact that he probably was pretty ill. And so they had to do everything that they could as soon as they could to ensure that the disease didn't progress to a point where he was incapacitated and there had to be a transfer of power. Yeah, I get that. And just kind of wrap up this topic, though, I want your opinion about this. So apparently there's been an issue with the integrity of the White House doctors and physicians and what they've been reporting. And I understand and I feel bad for them because if you have somebody who you're trying to maintain the privacy, but you're also trying to, you know, like not. I get the difficulty how you convey information because it can be construed in either direction. And so you have to be very objective, but at the same time, too be very tactful in, in the how you deliver information. And I feel like the way they delivered it, they could have been completely honest to the, with the questions, but still gave reassurance. Like, for example, when they asked about the oxygen saturations, they could have said, yeah, he did have low oxygen saturations, but that's to be expected with coronavirus. Many people have that. Even with regular respiratory illness, people have low oxygen levels. So that We were expecting that. We had plans for that. Luckily, we have medications like Decadron that, it, that can be used for to help people who have that, that we place in the uh, oxygen supplementation. And now he's not on it anymore. So he improved with the therapy that we gave him, which reassures us that he's getting better and getting back to his baseline. But yeah, so we know, okay, HIPAA, HIPAA is fine. But I think this is a special case because this is the president of the United States, right? And so this is somebody who the public has a vested interest in, right? And in knowing if he's well or not, right? I think the public is owed that as taxpayers, right? Because the taxpayers are paying for the treatment that he's receiving, paying for the doctors who are treating him, paying for all of the care that's being rendered, right? And so I think that there is a responsibility and obligation to some extent to be forthcoming with information. We also know that patients have the ability to say, this is what I want you to say, or this is how far I am allowing you to divulge information, right? And so the president may have said, I do not want you to say X, Y, and Z. 
And so I think he should have said, based on the request of the president, this is as much as I'm able to say. Yes, I or say that. That yes. would have preserved his integrity because I think having seen that as a physician, it calls into question his integrity. And I don't think mm-hmm. that you as a physician would want your integrity called into question because there will be a day where he will not be the physician to the president, right? Yes. And so you want your integrity to be intact. And so mm-hmm. he's likely going to have opportunities to serve in some policy position or in positions where he's giving advice and recommendation and informing policy. And so we want to be able to say, we trust what's coming out of your mouth. But at the point mm-hmm. where you have a press conference, like the first one that he gave, his integrity is called into question. And people will be reluctant and recalcitrant to and reticent to believe what he's saying. We're going to move on to something else in pop culture that I want to talk about. So SNL is back and I am loving every single thing about it. <laughs> so did you see Megan Thee Stallion performed? I did. I loved it. It was amazing. Yo, I was, yo, I, I like Megan Thee Stallion. I like her. Like she kind of snuck up on me. I, I was kind of, you know, like I liked her music. I bop my head to it every now and then. And then I don't know what I think it was Savage. Savage was a song that I was like, okay, yeah, she got me on that one. She's good. She's talented. I'm all about her. I, I am, I'm yeah. a huge fan. Yeah. So for all you guys who didn't see it, please look it up. Basically, what she did, she did Savage her the remix version that she did with Beyonce. And she did a tribute to Brianna Taylor. So she had like this hot, like white and black kind of like zebra-like artsy outfit on with a backdrop that it kind of blended into like an optical illusion, mm-hmm. but it had like protect black women up there on the back. And then in the middle of the song, she had a cut from, she did pretty much what Beyonce did in um, Lemonade, where she had a cut from a Malcolm X speech in 1962, where it you know talked about the most disrespected person in America is a black woman. And it went on about that. And then she, well, I kind of want to read it too as well. So he said, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected, neglected person in America is the black woman. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair, the color of your skin, the shape of your nose? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the sole of your feet? And then she also talked about, so, and here's what I really liked about the performance. So she talked about how like we need to protect our black women and love our black women because at the end of the, of the day, we need our black women. And even despite when she could have shaded some black men, she said, but also, too, she extended her message to protecting black men and saying, we don't want our black men to become a hashtag anymore. And I'm just like, you know what, Meg, despite, you know, like what happened between you and another black man who will remain nameless right now, I'll let you still, exactly, you still support us. And I can all, and that's what I love about her. Yes. So I thought it was a great performance. I think it was, it definitely spoke out. It was definitely with a social statement. And I think Megan is using her platform to get that out there. But I think more black women, more black people and more people in general who see social injustice, I wouldn't just say black people, but I think having allies and having accomplices, as we call them, need to use their platform, no matter who you are, when you see an injustice happening to speak about it. And I think Megan is, is starting that that pathway as a young woman and her career is like, I don't think even at the height of what it's going to be. So I hope she continues that and takes it forward. Agreed. One of the other things I thought was really amazing in that performance was she included a, a sound clip from Tamika Mallory. And the Tamika Mallory is one yeah. of the young, upcoming, dynamic, awesome, like civil rights activists. And she time and time again, gives us these very thoughtful, provoking, profound, like sound bites that immediately become catchphrases and a call to action in the Black community. And both of us are mm-hmm. people, we're both Black, we're people of color. And so this is why I think this resonates with us. But she was even called, Beyonce even called her out in a song, even like name dropped Tamika in a song because of how dynamic she is. And so I think she's one of the people who 
is a force to be reckoned with and someone to watch. She's one of the emerging leaders of the civil rights movement. And I think mm-hmm. it's prophetic and it's actually really interesting that I think she's possibly one of the most prominent women to ever be featured in the civil rights movement, where she is more dynamic and visible than a lot of the other men in the movement. And I think that it's time that the women actually take their rightful place at the head of the movement, because a lot of things that we attribute to men were actually the brainchild of women who, in the background, organized and devised all of these all of these movements, but never really got the credit mm-hmm. for it. And so glad to see that she's getting the respect that she deserves. And on that note, let's end the pop culture section with something a little bit fun. Okay. I told you about this earlier. So as you guys have all seen, there's the song challenges and that they have on social media now that I'm pretty sure you guys have seen. Deborah Cox was the last one, right, LJ? Yes. How, what, how did you get here? Oh my God. Yeah, how did you get here? Yeah, so I what personally I did, not, did not do one, but in my shower, I did a couple. <laughs> people, people were singing. I was slaying. Yeah. That's, I mean, so many talented people who yeah. don't, like, people could actually sing. And yeah, not, don't, like, don't, don't have, have a record, record contract. Exactly. And you know who floored me out of all of them? Melanie Fiona. I did not know. I had no inkling. Oh, that she had Fiona and Below? What are you talking about? I had what? No clue. Oh, you didn't know this? Can I tell you? I was like, what? I was like, what? Where did these, where did these pipes come from? I was on my favorite <laughs> Instagram accounts, The Shade Room. And... <laughs> So I saw that they had some, they have a list of songs that they would nominate for the next singing challenge. So I want to just run them through with you and tell me what you think. So I'll do, I don't know if they're in order from like least to greatest and what they would suggest, but I'll, I'm going to assume that. Anyway, so first one, <laughs> you're going to laugh. Stranger in My House, Tamia. I like that song. I think that'd be a you good think one. that'll be a good one? Okay. The second one was Weak, SWV. That one. See, I think that'll be good because, you know, that song has so much, you know, yeah. variation and like keys. Yeah. You have to be a really good singer to sing that song. And like one person can do it, two can do it. You can get you and your two friends to do it. Like I could be a choir. I mean, no, because it's a group song, right? Everybody can have their part. You know, it could be very dynamic and interactive. You could do that different ways. Three, Mary J. Bly's Be Without You. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now, see, that's my song, because that song came out when I was a sophomore in college. That is a good one. I'm thinking about it in my head. The ending ending part? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You're too loud. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that part of it. I think you just lost all of the the listeners. (laughs) That was terrible. Just so you know. <laughs> See, you know, she goes off in that, in that part, though. I personally will vote for this song because this is my jam. Mariah Carey, my all. That's, That's a hard part. song to sing, though. I don't know if yeah. you, have, you have to be a singer to sing that song. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. Somebody will tear that song all to pieces. I'm thinking, uh, what's her name? Amber Riley? Come on now. Oh, Amber can sing. Mm-hmm. Amber can sing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This song is not my favorite, but whatever. I feel like somebody would like really do it jazzy, like Jill Scott, A Long Walk. I think that would be good because then it gives a chance to people who don't have like the classic R&B voice to... That's what I was thinking, yeah. With, like a soulful sound. Like that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. That's also okay. a hard song to sing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. 
Anyway, next song. Oh, this one's good. So this is a, a guy and the guy and a girl. Kiki, Wyatt, and Avant, My First Love. Oh, see, that's a good song. I would, that's a good one, right? That's a good one for a challenge, yeah. That's a real good one. I think like, I think for songs like that, like, you do need a guy and a girl to, like, yeah. really, like, like I got, Again, yeah, they, they should, like, alternate with, like, duets and groups, and then, like, you can kind of dynamically do the song or get people, you know, like, give a song that people have a chance to, like, do it different ways. All right, nine, Jennifer Holiday, and I'm telling you. See, you have to be a singer to sing that song. Yeah, and I think yeah. You have a lot of people just screaming through the song, but someone with like legit control and can like mm-hmm. get up there with mm-hmm. all of the power that's needed. Like, I think that'll showcase like who is a mm-hmm. who's a really good singer. Yeah, and then my all top favorite, and I've said this song is like probably one of my favorite songs of all times. And say what you want about me, I don't care. This artist is legendary, and again, even her most popular song, this song just goes off. Tell us the song. <laughs> All this commentary. Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing. Oh, of course. That, go, that, go. Now, if you can sing, that's a, that's a hard song to sing. All of these are actually hard songs to sing, to be honest. But Whitney Houston, like if you can pull that off, all power to you. You should have a recording contract. That was our pop culture section. We hope you guys enjoyed it and, and listening to those topics. For our dose of penicillin this episode, we want to focus in on mental health because we know that in the times that we're living in, with a raging pandemic in our everyday existence, we know that there are many of us who are struggling with maintaining positive outlooks and a lot of folks who have had symptoms of major depressive disorder and increased instances of anxiety and in some instances, having full-blown panic attacks. And so we want to share with you how we define major depression and anxiety, and also routines that we engage in to ensure that we stay upbeat and try to avoid having those symptoms creep into our everyday our everyday lives. Yes. I think the uh, biggest thing that I've learned is that I have to have not necessarily a routine, but if I don't have anything to occupy my time and mind, then I just think about all the things that worry me. So I don't know if you remember earlier, I was talking about how I'm doing more at work. Leadership is important and how we have to have input in leadership. So I'm actively doing that in my way. And that is occupying my time, workouts more often. I'm trying to live a healthier lifestyle. So all those things, again, are helping me just get through it. Not even just get through it. Those helping me just keep a clear mind and be the best super dope person I can be. <laughs> super dope. Okay. That's warranted. Yes. But I think... We also should provide a definition of what like depression is. I think anxiety, we can most folks have a good handle mm-hmm. on what anxiety mm-hmm. is. You feel more anxious, you just feel uneasy, you know, things startle you a lot. Those types of things are what we classify as anxiety, right? But I think depression is more complex in terms of its definition. So we often say that you are depressed if you're having symptoms where you feel depressed most of the day or nearly every day. And this observation is either made by yourself or by others as well. Okay, you find that you have a diminished interest in things that you like to do. We call this anhedonia. You don't like to do and engage in the things that you normally like to do. If you have a hobby or a particular activity that you find particularly enjoyable, you find that you're shying away from doing those things regularly. If you find that you can't fall asleep or you're sleeping more than normal, if you find that you're really tired all the time and you have a loss of energy almost every day, if you feel worthless or you're having excessive or inappropriate guilt, all of those things uh, speak to depression. And if you find that you have a diminished ability to concentrate, or if you find that you're more indecisive, or you have recurrent thoughts of death 
recurrent thoughts of suicide or homicide, all of those things fall into the category of major depression. You don't have to have, you can, that's clinical major depression, but you can have a subset of these symptoms also. And if you find that you're noticing these things, you should definitely reach out to your primary care provider and get a formal assessment just so that you can have the issue addressed as soon as possible. And so I think having kind of laid out that definition, I think for me, the things that I've found to be very useful, like I said, is engaging in physical activity. And so I've tried to increase the amount of time that I'm spending in the gym. And then I'm also doing things that I like to do. I have me days where I focus on me, right? And so I will go on a date with myself. I will cook a meal. I will find an activity that I enjoy doing (laughs) and do that. Or, you know, watch a show that I enjoy watching. And just things that keep my mind active and stimulated. You know, I'm doing that more often. The other day I was like, what is going to make Warren happy right now? And it was literally watching Lovecraft Country, catching up with that and eating a pizza. And it was great. I enjoyed myself. So small things. Yeah. And then yeah, it's okay. that you stay in contact with your with people who you enjoy being around. Right. And so yeah. I've reached out to my friends because, you know, it's just me out here in rural Minnesota. And so I've been enjoying that I catch up with friends that I haven't spoken with in a while, and just ensuring that I'm constantly engaged in talking with folks who brighten up my day. And speaking about TV shows, one of the shows that I have fallen in love with and I absolutely enjoy is Shit's Creek. They like swept the Emmys and the acting. Yeah. (laughs) I studied that. I saw that. Excuse me. It is a parody of my life in Long Prairie. (laughs) Like You see things on both sides that cause you to stop and think of the amazing aspects of each of the cultures that are represented. So the city life versus like small town living. And it's things that I have like experienced and see every day. And I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. Like they, that episode, one of the first ones where they went hunting, people have been asking me to go hunting. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can do it because I don't know if I can shoot a dare. They're just so cute. I feel like it's like I'm shooting Bambi almost, you know? I saw the episode, I think I saw the, the series finale episode, which, because somebody, one of my friends said, you got to watch it. And I saw it. And now I want to go back and watch the entire series just because that episode was hilarious. It is funny. Can I do yeah. it? So, yeah. So as LJ was saying, you know, you have behavior and activity changes that you can do to help cope through times of stress. There's also cognitive behavior therapy that, you know, you can read about more. We won't get into now. We might pin it for another episode. But some people, even after doing all that, LJ, they might need an adjunct to help them get through depression. And it's nothing to be ashamed about, but some people need medications, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there are medications out there that people use. The main class of medications for people who have depression are serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And basically, they kind of do what they say they do. Serotonin is used to broadly, and not to get into the nitty gritty of things, basically used for euphoria to a heighten or a sense of happiness. It's not the direct cause of it. There are downstream processes that, that happen with serotonin. But as far as like what serotonin contributes to, that's what it contributes to. And so it's thought that if you have more of it out there without it being reabsorbed, then it can have more of that effect. And so that's what those medications do. And so that's kind of like a broad kind of picture about pharmacology and depression, as well as what you all can do from a behavior standpoint to help yourself. And so just be nice and just remember to check on your friends, take care of each other, and just be aware of those around you. And I always tell folks, you find folks who have this aversion to therapy. We talked about cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, it's just speaking to someone, someone who's an independent, impartial third party who can provide 
good advice and allow you to unpackage some of the things that may be causing you to feel a little down. And I think that that's incredibly important and should not be frowned upon because we know that folks who have anxiety and depression do well when they are in therapy and also if they have an adjunct medication and the two work better together than either of them apart. And so always just remember to be aware of what's going on with yourself and ensure that you seek the help that you need because it's not something that you ought to be ashamed of or should be ashamed of. But we want you to ensure that you're as happy and as healthy as possible. Thanks for tuning in and we hope that you'll tune in for the next episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin. Thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Pop Culture and Penicillin. We would love to hear your comments and contributions about the topics discussed on the episode and invite you to continue the conversation on social media. Yes, you can find us at PC and Pen, that's P-C-A-N-D-P-E-N, on all social media platforms and via email at PCNPen at gmail.com. You can contact Dr. Warren, that's me, at the Dr. Warren. That's T-H-E-D-R-W-A-R-R-E-N on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. LJ at Dr. McLJ on Instagram. And that is D-R-M-C-L-J. And always remember to know your PCP and check in with your PCP. PCP.